Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Good day, wonderful podcast family. I hope that wherever you are in the world, you're doing incredible. We have an absolutely fantastic episode for you today. We have the man Jeff Hughes on, and this episode is essentially a master course in mindset, mental programming, beliefs, and creating lasting change. We discover, or we cover an incredible amount of material in this episode. We talk about Jeff's journey of dropping out of school and selling drugs on the street. We talk about the point where his life changed. We talk about the book, Psycho-Cybernetics, why beliefs drive our behavior, why personal development may not create lasting change, how to fix the subconscious mind, the superpower of the human mind, the book, Think and Grow Rich, the Thomas Edison story, Mirror Neurons, why most people fail, the importance of fitness, rich dad, poor dad, philosophy, Michael Phelps, secret weapon, and that is just the tip of the iceberg. My notes are massive on this one, so I know that you're going to enjoy it. If you like this episode and you want to support, please take a screenshot, share it on Instagram, tag me at Matt Belair. Let me know where you're listening. That helps massively. Um, You can leave a review in iTunes. That really helps as well, and the best thing that you can do and most important thing you can do is one act of kindness today. If not, do three kind acts. That's even better and do it for a week and don't tell anyone. Um, If you want to become a patron, that helps incredibly. I can't tell you how much that helps me keep do do the show, keep doing the show. Um, And you can do that at patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair. Thank you so much to all my patrons. It does allow me to keep uh, this thing going and work as hard as I do on it. Um, I want to thank ASMR Ascension for tossing a buck in the bucket. Um, It really goes a long way. Thank you guys so much very much. I want to thank my other podcast partner and sponsor, the Himalaya podcast app. They're free, super easy to use. It's a fantastic podcast app. Um, Make sure that you check out the Mastermind Body and Spirit show when you're over there. Give me a follow, but they are a podcast app that is designed and curated for the podcast listener in mind. It's an incredible app, so check them out at H-I-M-A-L-A Y-A on the podcast or on the iTunes store and over on Android. Um, You can pick it up there. Uh, For those of you guys who want to do some coaching, um, my coaching has expanded quite a bit in 2019. I'm helping more people. I'm helping basically the everyday person who is looking to create and refine and move towards their vision, helping people who have a vision bring that vision into reality and as well as successful entrepreneurs who want to level up uh, with the background and peak performance, uh, consulting, marketing, and all those different things. So it really just depends on what you're working on. I'm working on with all kinds of people these days and really would love to you know, hear what you're working on, what your goals are. Um, if you want me to speak for your organization, do some training for your employees on any of this stuff, whether it's my mindset, mindfulness, uh, peak performance, flow state, psychology, whatever it is, just let me know. Um, 
I can curate it to your audience and your team. And it's always so fun to be working in person and uh, just getting out there in the world and seeing what you're up to. So uh, hit me up at mattbelair.com forward slash coaching or just make an inquiry at matt at zenathlete.com. We'll definitely get you sorted. So that is it. Let's get into today's episode. But before we do, let's come into a powerful state of peace and coherence. So wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing, taking a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and just set the intention to come to peace and coherence now. Let that breath out slowly with all the cares, all the worries, all the anxieties of the day, just coming to a totally peaceful, present, and empowered state now. All right, we are ready to get into this amazing episode with Jeff Hughes. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest teaches entrepreneurs how to build successful online businesses. He has helped hundreds of people get out of the nine-to-five grind and develop their vision into a reality. He overcame the struggles of being raised by a single mom and living off welfare. Without a role model, he dropped out of high school in grade nine, started couch surfing and selling drugs on the streets. After discovering he had a knack for sales, he tried his hand at entrepreneurship with no successes until he discovered relationship marketing and mentors whom he'd quickly surpass. Even though he achieved 1.4 million in his first year, he knew something was missing and his old behavior still dominated his daily life. That's when he began to push the boundaries on his old mindset and discovered that personal development was necessary to understanding his behavior and fixing it. He shows others that it doesn't matter where you come from or what you believe, it's what you believe about yourself. Welcome to the show, Jeff Hughes. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. We just we discovered in the uh, in the intro that you're in Kelowna. You're not too far away. Yes, good old Kelowna. It's a beautiful place. I I couldn't imagine living anywhere else. To be honest, on in Canada certainly. So much so for the summer times and winter times, snowboarding and landscape and lake and the whole nine yards. Heck yeah, man! It's a beautiful place to be. Um, when I got introduced to you, your work, I I browsed through your website and I saw that you have a pretty incredible story. I know that you're doing a lot of work. Uh, you're kind of an entrepreneur specialist, business mindset, all those kind of things, but your story is pretty incredible. Do you want to give the people who don't know you um, like a little bit of background on yourself and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Um, yeah, it is, a, it is a little bit of a crazy story. Um, I grew up in a small town in uh, Brantford, Ontario, um, and I grew up, uh, I guess you would say what you would be considered, uh, lacking in a lot of things. Uh, I grew up with a mom who was, uh, single on welfare. I had a dad that, uh, was completely out of the picture. He actually, um, didn't believe that I was his kid. It wasn't actually until I was 30, 30 years old that, um, I got a DNA test from my, what they called my half sister, which I didn't even meet till later on in my life. Um, and obviously we came back being siblings. Uh, unfortunately I never did get to meet my dad. He passed away, um, many years before I actually even found them. And, uh, I guess the background for me was, um, I was kind of like a misfit. I didn't really know where I fit in in the world. Um, I guess I was the, what you would consider to be the picked on kid in school. And my, my home life wasn't necessarily the greatest. Um, Weird thing of all things, I, I found a natural knack, and this is probably attributed to how I became 
in sales and, and my driving force. But um, of all things, uh, I became heavily involved in sports. Um, and I was never introduced to it. I just, I fell in love with it. I loved playing football and I'm not even that tall. And, and my sport that I actually loved more than anything was basketball. <laughs> so there I was a Canadian white boy that can't jump. That was absolutely um, in love with basketball. And I played basketball later on in my years until uh, I actually uh, ended up wrecking my knees. But um, what I found was um, as, as I kept getting older, um, I eventually was like, okay, I can't do this whole school thing. I mean, for me, being in school um, was the most exhausting. I mean, let alone the fact that I couldn't get along with anybody. Um, trying to learn stuff that I just couldn't even couldn't even imagine applying in my life. So there I was in grade ten, about three quarters of the way through, and I was like, I'm out. And uh, that was when I started my journey of you know trying to figure out who the heck Jeff Hughes was. So there I was out of school out of home and I thought it would be cool to start hanging out with the, uh, the, the drug dealers. <laughs> so, um, and funny of all things that actually was in Vernon, Vernon, British Columbia was where, where I got my whole, my whole thing there. I was selling marijuana and whatever else I could on the streets, uh, sleeping in cars, um, not really knowing who I was moving to Vancouver, moving back in and out of house on the streets, couch surfing, really using up all of my resources as much as possible before, um, ending up back, uh, with my mom of all things, because I had pretty much used up all the resources. Fast forward to years later, um, I got into drywall. I was in construction. I did that for many years. And then I ended up meeting my, I guess my ex-wife now, um, where we started a family from there. Um, I still struggled. You know, it was funny because I was really, really competitive in all aspects of everything in my life, whether it was sports, whether it was sales, um, you wanted to play cards, you wanted to play checkers, you name it. It was, I was very competitive in it. I had to win. I had this mentality. My, I literally had this mentality that, and it wasn't until years later, the funny that I identified why I was doing what I was doing, but I had this mentality that, um, I was always going to win. I remember I used to play basketball with guys that were like, had years and years of experience and they used to kick my butt like bad. And even if I was down by ridiculous amounts of points, I always had it in my head that I was still going to win. And it perpetuated my behavior to always keep going and going and going and going and going and going and going. So from drywall, I started getting into sales and here I was, I got my very first job. I had a kid on the way. I didn't know anything about relationships. Um, and she had already had a child. Dad wasn't in the picture. I assumed that ended up having another child right away. So there I was 22 years old now with two kids and I was a shoe salesman, <laughs> moved my whole family and I got a part-time job as a shoe salesman. And, and anybody in Canada probably remembers the chain called Bata Athletes World. So I was in Campbell River of all places working at Bata Athletes World as an assistant manager. So picture this, I'm super competitive. So you can imagine I pick up stuff very fast. I was a top salesperson, but you can imagine my attitude. It was deplorable. I was like the worst employee. I mean, to tell me what to do, I was like, no, I was always wanting more out of everything. It didn't matter what it was. And I was always constantly trying to get people to see who, who I was, right? I was looking for outward validation um, for my, 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 my inner missings. Funny thing is, is I actually got, I actually got demoted from the job down to a full-time employee. And then they promoted me to a manager of another store. 
So immediately, so they moved me and my family to Gibson's PC. I don't know, I don't know if anyone knows, but there's like nobody that lives there. So I'm in this little bad athletes world in the middle of nowhere with me, my wife, our, our first son, and then the other, my other son was in her, in her tummy. So, and my, my whopping salary for all of us was $24,000. <laughs> so there I was in Gibson, BC on a salary of 24. So the definition of eating Mr. Noodles, that's 24,000 before taxes too. So you can imagine the definition of Mr. Noodles and you know, the, the meat that's on sale that has two days left on it with the 30% off tag. You were buying that you were, you were getting whatever you can to just barely get by because $24,000 after you take taxes, it's like $1,500 to take home. I mean, you can just imagine what that is like. Needless to say, I, my, I, I'm in a management position and I just had to make this work. I just had to, I had to prove everybody that it was going to be. So there I was and I'm like, oh, this thing. And Gibson's Beast, if you, if you ever gone to it, it's a, pretty much a retirement area. So it, we were basically the only, you know, running shoe store. So these people come in and I'm just like, I'm like, how am I going to increase sales? How am I going to get anything rolling with this business? And I seen these high end shoes. They're all like the $180, $170 shoes. And I was like, okay, I need to sell more of these shoes. So this is what I did. I, you can imagine walking in this, these little elderly people in here. And I made these shiny, great shoes, the best shoes that you ever could imagine in entire life. And they had to try them on just to see what they're at. Well, Obviously, we know when you give somebody an experience and they step in it and they're worth that much more in comfort, you can imagine how many have I sold. Next thing you know, the store was blowing up. We were doing like crazy sales there and it was just all these elderly people buying these like really expensive Nike Air Zoom shoes. Just because we were like every time someone walking, I want this shoe. Yes, we'll try this shoe, but you should really check out this just came in. Check and feel out this Cadillac. They put it on and they buy it. So I was quickly promoted to another store, this store was completely falling apart. You can see the story that goes on. I was constantly moving around from store to store to store to clean up. Um, I was constantly asking for more money. I was constantly asking for more work. I was constantly trying to get validation from everybody. And I slowly worked myself all the way up until um, I was about 34 years old. And I, I actually, and in between all this, I had worked for I don't know how many jobs between cell phones, car sales on two gigs. And then my last, my last one before I took my, my jump into entrepreneurship, I was actually selling yellow page advertising. <laughs> so I was going on, not, you know, we're in a digital world and I'm knocking on businesses telling them that they need full page ads for their business. And my, me, myself, I never used a phone book. I Googled everything, right? So you can imagine what happened again. I did the same thing. I blew up. I had the top book. I was a top salesperson and I was making the most amount of money I'd ever made in my life. And I mean, to go from $24,000 a year in an 11 years to be making $150,000 a year, most people will go, Oh my God, you're, you're set. You got a great job. But I found out once again, that it wasn't about the money. It just, none of the positions that I ever got nowhere where I got in my life was about money. So I ended up leaving that job and I decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to start a daily deals company. <laughs> so here I am seeing Groupon, seeing all these places and I'm like, okay, I'm going to start my own daily deals company. So I started a daily deals company, not having an idea what it actually took to actually start a business. I knew that I could go around and talk to businesses and put it, but I didn't know. I literally put together and, and got a design team to build the site with me not knowing anything about code or anything. And basically, through, you know, in, in a nutshell, a bunch of shit on the wall 
and found out really quickly that, you know, I needed systems in places. I didn't, I didn't understand, um, I didn't understand the structures of business. I could make sales all day long, but putting it all together, I, I couldn't do. And quickly I plummeted from that. Right after that was when my life changed. Um, when I was in the cell phone industry, I heard about a guy that had been um, in, the digital, in the digital world, basically, making money um, with online marketing. And he was working at Freedom 55 at the time, and he used to come in and out of the store. And I remember sitting there in the store, and this years later was actually when I, when I actually um, approached him about it. But I remember him coming into the store, and then, you know, he was just an average kid. He was a young kid working at Freedom 55, trying to, like, build a portfolio, real struggling. And all of a sudden, one day, I look on, on, on Facebook must have been a while since I talked to him and there he's like traveling around the world driving in Lamborghinis and I'm like what the heck did this guy just become like the drug kingpin of the world or what and uh, <laughs> the word was is that he was running around to internet cafes and sending out a bunch of email and making money affiliate marketing and it it sounds really easy when you put it out that way oh is that all he's doing so years later down the road I decided to make a go at it and uh, approach him on how to actually um, get involved with it. Needless to say, I've seen what they, the numbers that you could do in affiliate marketing. I mean, you, you name it, anything, you're an affiliate for like Match and eHarmony, all these big brands where they're just paying you, they're paying you a commission on everybody that, uh, you know, purchases something off their site or joins their, their, their associations. Anyways, I ended up having, I found out um, that simply just going, hey man, you want to teach me how to make money like nothing, they weren't willing to do it. <laughs> um, they required a whole bunch of money. It was a substantial investment and I had to find funding elsewhere to get it because I wasn't in a position to do it. Um, and that ended up actually lending me the money, knew my skills and knew the way I was and knew that failure wasn't ever really an option in with, with me because I was that basketball player that no matter what went down, I was always going to win, right? And it, and it repeated itself over and over. I always won in my life, but I would never actually ended up fulfilling, being fulfilled. Needless to say, the large investment um, was a payoff. And this was like a big eye opener to me about mentorship and really my perspective on schools and the education system that they have in hand. And um, that was the day that everything in my life changed. Um, I learned skills that I never ever thought I would ever learn before. I was, I was open. Um, and I, I basically, you know, as, as, as Tony Robbins says, you know, the fastest way to success is modeling someone else that's already accomplished it. So simply by me making an, an investment um, in myself and an investment in the other person, they taught me how to do it. And in my very first year, we um, profit wise did $1.4 million. And from there, the, the, the type of people that I was around changed. I started being around a bunch of different people and there was this thing called personal development, right? And I remember years before I had gone to um, what they call landmark forums and I remember signing the document and this is, that was my very first taste. And at that point I was actually going through what they would call a peak emotional experience of my, my, my marriage at the time was going up and down and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to try this out. So I ended up actually going to landmark forums and I remember signing the form and it said, if you have any mental issues at all, um, don't come because this could really mess you up. And I signed away and I went to this and uh, it was an eye opener. I don't think I was ready in my, and I obviously wasn't ready that time to fully take in 
um, what it is that they had to offer, but it really, really opened my eyes. And I remember going into it and it opened my eyes to different perceptions and, and different ways that other people thought about things and not just my narrow vision of what it was. And I remember I was like super hyped up and I was like, yeah, this is awesome. My life is going to change. And then 72 hours, 96 hours later, all of the, the buzz wore off. Years later, getting back into the internet marketing, I started getting um, introduced to more of the um, more of the entrepreneurs and more of the personal development stuff. And it was basically two years after that, um, I was about 37 years old, that I started kind of like digging in more and really starting understanding beliefs, um, starting understanding my environments, um, started understanding relationships and understanding why I was the way I was. Um, and it was a battle at first. I remember it was a real, it was a real big battle. I mean, I was still seeing the successes. Um, I shortly after I got into that, I ended off in my divorce. So I was going through another peak emotional experience, trying to figure out who I was, um, had three kids at the time. So I had a daughter in between then. So there I was dad and she moved away to Nanaimo. So I'm in Kelowna, she's in Nanaimo and, um, I'm overweight. I'm smoking too many cigarettes. I'm drinking a whole lot. I'm making more money than I had ever made in my whole entire life. And I was completely and utterly miserable, but I had started on this personal development journey. So under this peak emotional experience that I was under, I was like, okay, well maybe I need to go back to figuring out what exactly is wrong with me. And I remember the book. Um, it was by John Powell. Um, it's called, why am I afraid to tell you who I am? And it's a really, really small book. And, uh, I actually ended up going to um, a program, basically a retreat for a week where they basically you're locked down for like 12 hours a day with a bunch of other people um, in a sharing session. And this was the book afterwards. And the trajectory of who I was today or who I was that, that at that point to where I, wa where I wanted to be, that trajectory just enhanced. Um, it gave me a new perspective. It allowed me to understand that... Um, I guess you, you, it, the, the, the wording they call it is program. The program that I had wasn't even my program. It was, it was how somebody else felt about themselves projecting it on myself and me identifying it as my own identity. And from there on, I just started becoming obsessed. Um, and it was about another two years later where I like fully cascaded and I became I became completely obsessed with how to make real change. And I kept going to all these personal development courses and they were really good for motivation at the point, but I never found, and I always found this like consistently every single person that left them. It's like, it's like you were, your dopamine spikes are so high and then all of a sudden you go back down to reality. And I did this on several occasions. I mean, in between my education and my, my online mentorship and my personal development, I ended up spending over half a million dollars between all of that, like mentors and classes and courses, constantly trying to upgrade. And I remember I just, I kept getting, I get these dopamine spikes and I'd be so stoked. And then I go back to who I was. And I was like, this just isn't working for me. I wonder if there's anybody else who's like experiencing this same thing. 
sure enough, I started talking to people and they got the exact same thing. So then I started doing some more, some more work on myself and I started to identify what it is that we require in our brain to make actual change within our lives and what actually drives um, our behaviors. And I remember reading a few books and, and one specifically, it's called Psycho-Cybernetics and it's by uh, Maxwell Maltz. Um, fascinating read because so many case studies in there and like real science and for any of you guys that never, never, never heard of it before, um, he actually was a plastic surgeon of all things. He, uh, he went out and he's like, okay, I'm going to be a plastic surgeon. He's doing all these surgeries and stuff like that. And there was like this large chunk of people that just kept coming back and they're like, I'm not happy. You didn't, I, I, I'm not happy with myself. I don't look like what you, you said. And you know, people around them would be like, you look exactly what it is that you wanted. Then you start thinking about it and you're like, okay, well that kind of reminds me of like somebody who's bulimic. I mean, they could be literally 92 pounds in front of you and you can tell them they are not, they, they are not overweight and they will look in the mirror and say, I am. And that's when the game changed for me. I understood now that it's basically your identity. You can never be anybody outside of who you actually think you are. And you have what they call a thermostat. Anytime you think you're going to get outside the range and turn the heat up, it would go back down and you'd end up being actually um, the exact person. And throughout my studies and stuff like that, and certainly why am I afraid to tell you who I am, where it talks about, you know, the adult and the child and about how we're behaving actually as a child, um, there's some really crazy scientific information. And this is probably important for people to understand. And it, it actually was a game changer for me because remember how I talked about the projection of other people um, as somebody else's thoughts that were projected on me as a child. Well, when you're a child between the ages of zero and seven, you're in what they call theta. It's a lower vibrational level so that you can consume information and create an identity. Between the ages of zero and four, 50% of all of your beliefs are in place. Between the ages of four and seven, another 30. So by the time you're seven years old, 80% of all your beliefs are in place and beliefs drive behavior. This is what we call the subconscious mind. These are things that are autopiloted in there. They're already in place. You don't even have cognitive reasoning until you're eight years old. So this is when all that information and that data is in place. I mean, how many times have you gone and, and tried to have a reasoning conversation with a screaming three-year-old? How often does that work? Never. It never works. And you're insane to even try and reason with them. They can't, they're not even capable of it. They don't even have cognitive reasoning until eight. So here they are, eight years old. Now they're, now, they're, now, they're, now they're out of theta. Now cognitive reasoning comes into place. And now everything that they learned from one to seven and all the limitations. I mean, when was the last time that you went up to a child and you said, hey, what do you want for Christmas? They give you this huge, long list of everything. They, they can have anything. They even thought, can I have a Porsche 911? There is no reasoning. If you ask them something, they will just be magically just serve it up to you. Right? Because they don't have any of the shit. You ask an adult that, and they'll be like, well, you know, what did I do last year? And, oh, I remember my mom used to say this, and Joe, my boss. And next thing you know, you're gathering all this information to um, verify your point of view. But the craziest thing about it is 80% of your decisions, literally 80% of your decisions that you make beyond that until you become what they call metacognitive, whereas that's when you actually are aware of what's actually driving you. And it no longer has its power anymore because you can actually do the exact opposite. You can actually stop it and make a different result. 
I started realizing that most of the population were literally walking around with a program and you would go to these personal development courses and they would spike your dopamine and make you feel really, really good under those exact moments, but you would never The hardware was in place. So I was like, okay, so there's gotta be a way to change this. Cause I mean, imagine it. I mean, there I was at 35, 36 years old and I was literally making all my decisions in my life from stuff that happened to me from the ages of zero to seven. The other 15% rolls from eight to 18 and you're literally left with 5% beyond that. So I started doing, I started doing even more homework on it and I was like, okay, so I know it's my beliefs. It's who I see myself as to be. These are, these are, these are, basically opinions from what somebody else felt about themselves that projected it on myself because between zero and seven, everything that you tell me, I take as fact. I have no reasoning, right? Then I carry that on for the rest of my life. I'm like, okay, so how do I fix this? Well, there's only two ways to really fix the subconscious mind and to fix the subconscious mind or to change the program as we say is you're either going to be hypnosis, hypnotized or it's going to be repetition, right? Those are the only two ways to change it. So I was like, okay, so I'm aware of these things right now. They're linked to my central nervous system, which fires off and gives me a whole bunch of data points and makes me feel anxious, um, makes me say, feel sad, makes me feel depressed. And it's all based on stuff that happened. I mean, even when you're anxious, it's about grabbing stuff from the past and basically carrying it into the future and making yourself feel like, like crap. So I was like, oh, God, all this. So I started doing some homework on it and I started finding out that you could literally change the trajectory of your life forever and rewire that program to success of whoever you wanted in your whole entire life within 66 days. Within 66 days, it becomes what they call a permanent habit. You can literally take anything in your life, reprogram your subconscious mind and get different results and start behaving completely different. So there I was with like 36 years of like, programming from like from the ages of zero to, to seven years old to now I'm aware of what's going on and now I'm actively changing the trajectory. So there I was. I seen myself as not being able to have money and anytime I had money, I completely kept spending it. I started, I started seeing that what I was looking for was outward validation to make myself feel good about myself because of the relationship that I have with my mother. I felt like I was never good enough all the kids around me. And I projected that out everywhere I went, everywhere I went. That was how I was identified. I am not good enough. I am not good enough. I am not good enough. And then I'd look for data to confirm that I'm not good enough. And what do you, what do you, where do you think that data points would come from the people outside? So from that point, I was like, okay, so personal development means that we require full change, not just motivation, not the rah-rah. And this is actually what it takes. So I started putting together state, um, steps on what it actually takes. And um, just recently I wrote a book um, about the brain and all the different things that operate in it and really giving you um, a clear view. Because what I found was is that human beings require a lot of data points to override um, beliefs. You have to have a new belief to stack on top of another belief, but you have to have lots of touches in order for it to actually 
replace it. So for me, the way I learned was experiencing it, identifying it, and then from after identifying it, replacing it. <laughs> uh, and where did I want to be? So you ever talk to somebody, you'll talk to like some really, really um, wealthy people or people that have been in the personal development and they'll tell you, that you ask them, you know, how did you become a millionaire? Or how do I become a millionaire? They said, you already have to be a millionaire. And I never understood that for the longest time. I'm like, what do you mean? Well, I'm not a millionaire. You tell me, I've got to be a millionaire? Yes, you have to be it. You have to see it. Then I started going in more into the brain and stuff like that. And um, maybe some of the people, and maybe you even know this, there's, the, there's a thing, there's what I consider to be um, a superpower that's not talked about that humankinds have. And it's what they call the reticular activating system, or I like to call it the reticular arousal system. And it's a really small piece of the brain that is part of the subconscious mind that's a basically a filtration system. And what it does is it filters out everything that isn't important to you and points it to what is important to you. And it doesn't know the difference between fact or fiction. It, it just serves you whatever it is that you want. So from the time I was a child, I, I said that I wasn't good enough. I didn't have any money. Guess what? Even if I got money, I spent it all. I went bankrupt when I was 30 years old. Right? I was giving, I was literally, it was serving me exactly what it is that I wanted. Right in front of me. And it's all based on emotions. So it weighs out everything that's important to you based on what your emotional tie is to it. And I started to understand. I was like, okay. So if I change an emotional attachment to a goal or a vision, and I become so focused on it that I'm going to get it. And it's the craziest thing. I don't know if anybody's experienced this before where you're like, okay, well, I want to, I'm going to go buy myself a car, whatever car. We'll, we'll say it's a Volvo. And next thing you know, you're driving down the road and you see every friggin' Volvo on the road. You're emotionally tied because you want that vehicle. Next thing you know, it's seeking it out. It looks for it. So I was like, oh, well, that's really cool. And then I started looking back at my life of all the things that, that were like that. And I remember when I was like eight or nine years old, I said to myself, and it was my dream car, I said, I want a Porsche 911 Turbo, black. I want that. It's going to be my first, it's going to be my car. And imagine eight, nine years old. We have no idea how we're going to come up with money for that. I remember at the young age, I said I was going to be a millionaire. You say all those things. Didn't I, I didn't have a clue. I remember when I got, when I made my first million dollars, me and my wife went down, we drove down to the car dealership, August Motors, here in Kelowna, and I was going to go buy a uh, M3. That was what I was looking for. I was going to go grab a black M3. And what do we see in the showroom to my left? A black Porsche 911 Turbo sitting in the showroom in pristine. Boom. What do you think I look at? I'm like, wow, that's a nice car. So I go into the showroom and I'm, I said to the, I said to the uh, car guy, I'm like, yeah, I really like that car. Can I take it out for a spin? He looks at me all tattooed up in gym and he's like, uh, yeah, we need to deposit down and you need to write a deal on this before. They basically thought I was going to be a guy that was just going to literally go out and joyride their Porsche 911. Needless to say, I ended up with that car and I ended up making a million dollars of all things. And then I started putting it all together. Whatever I put importance to, I get, and it seeks it out. And I don't even know how I actually end up getting it, but the importance, it knows how to navigate you there. 
So then I was like, okay, so I can get anything I want in my life. I just need to have an emotional attachment to it. Because when you have an emotional attachment to it, this is the key thing. Adversity becomes no issue because don't get me wrong. There's going to be things that are going to, that are going to come in the way. There's going to be what there's going to be issues. There's going to be problems. There's going to be all these things that are coming the way. But what you're going to find out is you're going to look at it and go, I don't give a shit. I really want that badly. And I'm going to go get it no matter what. And you're like, there's a problem. Oh, that's not a problem anymore. And you keep going and going and going. And, and it's so crazy to think how our brains function and how we can change anything we want. Like now I understand so much, like think and grow rich. You know, if you think, you know, whatever, am I, whatever, whatever a man believes and conceives, he can achieve. And I started understanding. And if you ever read the book, Think and Grow Rich, it talks about, you know, as, as, as you read the book, you'll start to understand once you've got the magic. And I, I still didn't get the magic to the whole thing. I mean, by the time I didn't understand it, but it's actually the reticular activating system. Because when it's that important to you, you get it. Most people don't know. Thomas Edison's a perfect example. I love Thomas Edison built the first, built the light bulb. And the famous story behind Thomas Edison was that he failed 10,000 times, right? Thomas Edison knew what the reticular activating system was and loved it. But most people don't actually know why Thomas Edison made the light bulb. Do you know why Thomas Edison made the light bulb? No. Because he had already made a generator and he had nothing for the generator power. Hmm. He was so forward thinking, he was building things before it's time. He still has more, more patents than anyone else in the world, even to this day. He understands his brain so much that we have, we have things, you're, for one, your subconscious never sleeps, ever. Never does. You can actually command it to problem solve when you go to sleep. You didn't know that, but now you do. Thomas Edison used to hold two lead bulbs in his lead bulb get stumped on things, he would shut his eyes and he would say what the problem was. And as he was about to fall asleep and he would just go into that unconscious part, one of the lead balls would obviously start falling because he'd lose consciousness and he'd wake up and he'd have an answer. And I've used this. I've used this. So I understood that I needed to have emotional attachment to things. So I needed to have a goal. Or a vision. So I started creating visions of what it is that I want and I had an emotional attachment to it. I started creating affirmations. I started saying who I was. Who, remember how I was saying how you had to be, you already had to be that person? I had to be that person because when you already are that person, you start behaving that way. Believe it or not. The people that I surrounded myself with, most people don't know this. Have you ever been around a bunch of people and there's like, and I caught, I, I'll even catch myself to this day. And don't get me wrong. I'm still human. We still have these things inside of us that, that drive us to certain behaviors. I mean, I'm reading some amazing books like Incognito by David Eagleman. It's just so crazy how in depth our brain is. But I remember sitting around a table and I've done this many times. And then somebody just brings up this like negative conversation. And next thing you know, you all are talking about it. And without even thinking that you're now part of it. And this is me even being cognitive now. And upon my, my research, we have things called mirror neurons. And what mirror neurons do is they're trying to connect to the, the energy that's in the room. So 
if we look back to the caveman days, it was so important for you to connect with the leader, the, the head of the tribe, whatever it was, that no matter what mood he was in, you would have to mirror it so that you wouldn't be getting your ass kicked out of the, out of the cave and not being fed. But we still do these reptilian things now to these days and not even know it's there. Like, I mean, anxiety literally cascades the exact same effects in your body chemically as excitement does. The only difference is that once you get back to the corner, karaoke, they did actually, Harvard University did a, did a, um, did a, a research. They did a case study on this and they actually took a bunch of people. Karaoke is probably the, the prime example of getting anxious, right? Going to sing in front of a bunch of people that you don't know. And uh, so what they did is they knew that chemically with their, your body, excitement and ang anxiousness was the exact same thing. And this is where I started to really learn about um, language and the importance of language and the language and how your subconscious mind only understands language and puts emotions to words. It's crazy. So they said to him, okay, so before you go out on the karaoke stage, you're going to say, I'm excited. And it changed their state because the chemicals of the body understood that it was anxious or excited. And as soon as it said excited, the subconscious mind goes, what is excited? Oh, your state. They were able to go out with more confidence and sing in front of a bunch of people. And what it also did, and the difference between anxiety and excitement, the one last component that is different, the only component that's different, is when we release cortisol because we think that we're in fight or flight. That's the Superman power where people be able to pick up cars, run as fast as they can, get in the fight. It stopped that by them saying the word excitement. It's crazy. So I basically, I basically through all of my like study, through all of my understanding, I basically compiled a whole bunch of information and I started teaching people how to build online businesses. I started uh, mentoring people. Um, and the funny thing is, is, is a lot of them were like, oh, how do I build an online business? Well, I, we don't even talk about building the online business until we figure out what's going on upstairs, right? Because building an online business for most people is going somebody, somewhere that you've never gone before. And your brain has only two functions, keep you alive and keep you safe, right? We don't like the feelings of frustration. We don't like the, the fear of unknown. We don't like a lot of things that cause us anger, frustration. So what does it do? It gives us the feeling of anxiety and tells us not to do things because of this. So we need to be prepared and understand that these things are going to happen. And this is why most people fail because they don't understand how this thing's wired. They're not cognitive of it. I mean, the best way to put it is, would you ever take your vehicle to a mechanic and say, hey, I'm having engine problems. And the mechanic look at you and go, well, I don't know. I have no idea how engines work, but sure, let me fix it. I mean, seriously, would you, would you, would you leave it there? No. No. The valve basket, you're going to try and fill the oil pan. You're going to, you're going to make a whole lot of mistakes and without even the possibility that you might have actually even been able to fix it. And that's what I'm seeing out here with everyone else. No one's educated. No, well, I, I don't ever remember in school anybody talking about the reticular activating system. I don't remember anyone saying, hey, Jeff, by the way, you are the way you are because of your identity. Let's talk about it. No one talks about emotional well-being. No one talks about how you can actually become successful. And that was when I became disconnected from the world. And I thought, you know what? It's time for change in this world. And it's time. It's time. Everyone in this world was born to make a difference. 
Average sucks. It really does. Because you have the ability to create anything you want in your life and really change the way you see things. You can even go and you can change your past. And people go, well, how the hell do you change your past? You can't change the event, but how you see the past, which was causing you pain in the future. As soon as you can change that, you can literally change the past. And the success rate, once you get the mind right, is so high, it's so crazy. You become addicted to success. You know how the dopamine operates in your body. You know how to get yourself into state. You know that saying those affirmations in the morning puts you in a state of like feelings powerful. You know that seeing your vision and your attachment is, is so powerful there. You know that the people that you surround yourself will uh, directly correlate to your behaviors as well because your reptilian vision of, or version of your brain is going to try and connect those people and you'll drag yourself down. So that's why it's so important. And that's why my trajectory changed because I started being around a different kind of people. So if people are operating at 150% and you're operating at 70, you're naturally going to go up to 90 to 100 to get to your best self because it, it, it rubs off on you because of these mirror neurons. It's just like when you go on a date. You try and assimilate with the date and connect with them. You don't go in there and be completely opposite for the most part. These are things that happen with us. There's, there's operating systems, like from a reptilian version, that we don't even know. Oh, <laughs> Eagleman, I was reading in there just recently about how they took, a bunch of, they took a bunch of women's eyes and they asked the men, okay, so which set of the eyes do you like? And almost every single one of them chose the ones that were dilated. But you guess what the correlation of what dilatation means? Sexually aroused. Mm. Women that are sexually aroused, their eyes are dilated. So they were making decisions based on whether or not they were sexually aroused, right? They also did a study with strippers and how strippers actually make more money when they're ovulating versus being on their period versus being on birth control and taking a running average. And they did case studies on this. There's case studies on vision and about, and this is another important thing I learned, that your brain knows no difference between reality and imagination. It knows no difference. You can put in an emotional attachment to it. And the reason I know this to be true and now so, so powerful, when was the last time you've seen somebody put on a pair of virtual reality goggles? They know it's not real. Their central nervous system doesn't. One third of your brain is literally sectioned for your vision. One third of your brain. That's all it's focused on is operating your vision. They put it on, but their central nervous system doesn't know. Well, how is that the case? They know reality-wise that that's not real, but the brain doesn't, and your central nervous system doesn't. So I started understanding that seeing stuff in my head can become a reality, and that my central nervous system attached to it can actually respond to things even if I, even if I physically didn't do it. Um, Research Quarterly uh, did a study this many years ago where they took a, a three sets of groups of, of, of uh, people to go shoot free throws. And none of them had ever been you know, free throw shooters at all. And the first group, they took them and they said, okay, listen, we're gonna test you on the first and the 20th day, and in between each one of the other days, you're gonna go and practice for 20 minutes a day shooting the, shooting the free throws. And then at the 20th day, we're gonna see how much better you were between the first and the 20th. They said the same thing to the second group, but the second group in between the first and 20th day, they weren't allowed to practice at all. The third group, same thing, first and the 20th day, and, but here's the thing, they were only allowed to practice for 20 minutes a day visually. So they would practice in their head. It's what they call theater of the mind if you actually wanna go look it up. So on the 20th day, they took the measurement. The first group had a 24% increase in the 20 days. 
between accuracy. The second group had none because they didn't shoot anything. And the third group had a 23% increase and they didn't even throw a ball in the hoop. They just visualized it. I mean, just to think about the elasticity that our brain has and the power that it has. I mean, it's just so powerful. It's crazy. Well, basically, my life, um, what I'm passionate about, um, and the message that I really want to get out to people is, is you're not limited. And, and it's not, I think a lot of people get lost in the fact that they're kind of like, it's like, it's kind of like woo-woo. You know what I mean? Like, woo-woo, you can be anything you want in the world. Woo. And then you're like, oh, I can be anything in my, and then, and then people ask, well, Jeff, what's your, what's your, what's your daily habits? And they're like, woo, all right. So if I just follow these habits, I can just do it. No, you've got no emotional attachment to them. They're not yours. They're somebody else's, right? So I think really refining the process and saying like, this isn't the hoo-hoo, this is the engine. Let's open it up and I'm going to explain exactly how everything works within it. Creates a, it, it creates an opening to change your beliefs about things rather than it be a hoo-hoo. Because how many times have you done hoo-hoo things and you do it like three, four days and you're like, okay, well that didn't work and it's not, I'm not getting a response because we're in society, we're so stuck on instant gratification. I mean, we, we order from Amazon and we're like, this better be here in 48 hours or I'm gonna order it from a different buyer. That's how, that's how fast we are. So we expect that within 48 hours or within 72 hours, you know, same when we go to personal development, then all of a sudden we're gonna have these miraculous changes and we're gonna be like a completely different person. No, but what if I told you, well, this is how it works and if you do this, this, and this for this long and you do these habits and you have an emotional attachment to this, you're gonna get a result. Now you actually know what you're looking for. You know what you're seeing. You can actually visualize it all the way through to the ending. It's like starting off the, uh, a run at the four, you know, for a 400 meter. You, you can see to the end. You can see the end result, right? It's not like you're just running down the track and you don't know where you're going to fucking end up. You end up seeing it, right? And I've seen massive changes. Like literally I do these eight week courses with these people because they, they came to me and I wasn't even planning on doing like these little eight week mentors things. People did, and the, the changes that these people have made like, and is crazy. And then another passion of mine and it's not to be minimized is um, how important it is for physical activity and our biology and our brain and our aging process and everything else. So part of everything that I do is also part of a fitness regime as well. Um, so that you're running an optimal, optimal performance as well. Hopefully I didn't go off for too long there. I think that's pretty much my life story and my life works all in one. <laughs> Bro, that was, that was an epic dissertation of a real life account of, how to change the programming, the beliefs, and, uh, you know, create a new identity, so to speak. I'm familiar with every single thing that you said, and you actually applied it from someone who didn't, was unaware of it. And it's fantastic. I'm actually, it's funny because I, I, I'm reading Psycho-Cybernetics right now. I've read most of it. I'm kind of rereading it right now. Um, I'm curious to know about uh, your book. You know, the thing about, um, uh, Edison, Einstein used that theory too. Yeah. He, well, would, he would take naps and, and direct his subconscious mind. So I think the overall theme is just realizing that you can change the way you think, you can change the way you operate, you can change your results deliberately. And I, and I think that for me, 
what upset, what's upsetting is so many people don't think that they have that option, that they're helpless, that they can't change it the way that they're programmed. And, you know, you said so many great things there, and I agree with all of them. Um, I was reminded by this quote of Aristotle that says, give me the child until he is seven and I will show you the man. And it's so... That's the Jesuit priest. Huh? The Jesuit priest. Give me a boy till he's seven and I'll show you the man. Because they knew that between the ages of zero and seven, based on the nurturing of the child, will show the trajectory for the rest of their life. Telling them or not, and it's, it goes back to the exact same thing. Have you ever read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and the theme behind it? Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, basically a theme of it. You could have a child that grew up with tons of money around them, and their IQ could be very, very poor. And you could grow up with another child who has a very, very high IQ, but grew up very, very poor. This guy over here that grew up with all the money will never have any problems with it because his subconscious was automatically geared. His particular activating system knows how to make money without even thinking about it. This child over here can be smart as hell and he doesn't know, he thinks that money is a problem. It's already pre-programmed in it. It's the craziest thing. So I think it needs to get out that literally in 66 days of changing habits and, and changing environment, that you can make whatever. Tony Robbins makes a perfect quote when he says, and he can, I can guarantee you, Tony Robbins knows psychocybernetics in and out because a lot of his philosophies fall behind it. He goes, I made this motherfucker. That's his famous line. I made this motherfucker. Just because he knew that the identity of where he's seen himself um, was what projected him for the rest of his life. You can't be anything, you can't be anything bigger than who you think you are. Even if you step up outside of that, you will always bring the thermostat down. They call it the financial thermostat, the personal development thermostat, whatever you want to call it. The thermostat will always end up back to exactly how you actually see yourself to be. And Albert Einstein actually has my favorite quote of all time. Logic will get you from A to B. Imagination will get you everywhere. And the reason that we talk about logic is A to B, because so many times people really don't understand that you, you can't create something new from logic. You can't, because if you look at logic, you're looking what you've already been able to create. And if you bring it into the future, you create exactly what you already got. Imagination is something outside of that. And that's what that, for me, that's what that, that saying means. And Albert Einstein, he used to close his eyes. Most of his, um, most of his formulas that he came up were actually him closing his eyes and, and giving the information and other people were logging it for him. He didn't, he was terrible at math in school. I mean, what does that tell you? It's so crazy. Yeah, man. I, I, well, I totally agree. And, you know, some of my pursuit has been like, how do we create these superhuman powers? And um, one of the people working on some really interesting research is Dr. Joe Dispenza using that same idea um, to cure illnesses that are apparently incurable, like cancer and things like that. And the way that I kind of equate it is like a process of like, like basketball. So the book that I wrote was teaching these principles to kids in sport because it makes sense in sports. So the first one is a kid shoots a basketball shot. They don't believe they influence the reality, so they don't visualize, they don't give themselves any internal dialogue or direction to the reticular activating system or the intelligence of the body. So when you realize that that does have an effect, you say, okay, um, I intend to make this basketball shot. I will make this basketball shot and visualize it going in. So they do that. Then you can take that to the next level where you're an extreme sports athlete. Now, I'll just stick to athletics for a moment. But some athletes, um, 
that I've worked with have done tricks that have never been done before. How the hell do you do that? And when you're putting yourself at risk, like you, if you mess it up, you could be going to the hospital, you could be really injured. So what kind of mindset does that require? Well, then this is when the internal dialogue and the visualization becomes mandatory. Because if you don't do that, you are definitely putting your ass on the line, right? Yeah. And so this, this, go ahead. Exactly what you're saying, because what you're doing is you're preparing your central nervous system prior to hand. You're actually giving it, you're giving it as if it, it had already practiced. It's the craziest thing. Your, your central nervous system reads and reacts based on vision because it knows no difference between reality and imagination. And it just starts. And that's a friggin' superpower in itself. I, I love the fact that you bring that up because it is, it's so crazy that we can actually do that. Yeah, there's, there's studies they did with the Olympic athletes, sprinters, and weightlifters. When they visualize, the same parts of their brains actually fired. And they can actually get the uh, muscle neurons to fire as well. So with each visualization, you're literally building that muscle and that action. And like you said, it, you know, there's a lot of studies that say your brain doesn't know the difference whether you're dreaming or imagining or it's actually reality. It's just like all one thing. So then you can start to program the mind. And you can start to influence it. And so I find it interesting, where, did it, where are these limits? So then you go, you know, somebody does a trick that's never been done before or lands their first double backflip or lands their first backflip on a snowboard or whatever, just the scary ones. I like to use those for an example because you're putting yourself at risk. And when you do it for the first time, if you've never done a backflip, it's super exciting. If you've never done a double backflip, it's super exciting. If you've never done a triple backflip 1440 in the X Games, it's super exciting if you ever get there. But you'd use the same process to continue to develop, and you can use the same process in entrepreneurship, in life, in finding a partner, in ideal relationships, in making money. It doesn't matter, but you got to apply the principles where uh, extreme sports kind of forces you to, and what else forces you to is uh, a severe health condition. And that's how a lot of people have an awakening and they come into exactly every single thing that you detailed with uh, examples and research in such a wonderful dissertation um, because it's all true. And so people have gone and it's like, you know, I have this, I have cancer, I have this and that. And they apply the same principles and somehow they, through their own power, create a miraculous healing. And so when I train with in China with the Shaolin monks, how is it possible to break a stone with two fingers? thicker pieces over your head and uh, palm strikes like this, like absolute absurdity. And what I realized, it was those principles done over time with like inner self mastery, um, visualization and outer mastery, poking trees like hard qigong, like actual work had to go in. And then just this incredible mental fortitude. And then you got people like Wim Hof doing all these incredible things, tapping into these parts of our bodies where you know, if I think about like um, the world in general and see like some people say, oh, you're asleep or you're not living up to your full potential or societal conditioning, which exists. You probably are very oh, well. Everyone, everyone, everyone is societal conditioned because the, you need to be, they, they require you to be conditioned so that you follow them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And leaders. And when you look at like ancient Egypt and even uh, old texts, I've seen this um, put a lot of different ways, really awesome. But like all of those like diagrams and those analogies are the brain. It's actually accessing the pineal gland, reticular activating system, and the central nervous system through your own consciousness. And so if you take that powerful piece of information that says, hey, uh, little monkey, let's just call ourselves monkeys. 
and we teach the monkey that that monkey can create his reality through his actions, beliefs, habits, thoughts, and controlling his mind, right? Or we disempower that monkey and makes says, no, we're going to do all this stuff for you. You can't do that. You're not good enough. Shame and guilt. Then you go around and if you feel unworthy and like you can't, change your you're not good enough to do anything who are you to do anything you cannot operate in an empowered way and that's what i see a lot of society is is their operational level and they don't like you said they don't know how the engine works so then they're like all right i tried but i don't know how this thing works so nothing changed it's 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 funny eh? <laughs> it's called a fulfilling prophecy you'll fulfill it if you think that everyone doesn't like you you will find a way to making sure that everyone doesn't like you because that's how you feel about yourself that's what I was doing when I was a young child. I was bullied because I was making them bully me. Isn't that crazy? I was fulfilling it because I didn't feel good enough because my mom told me I wasn't good enough. And she had her own program and the projection of what she felt about herself between the ages of zero and seven, I only know everything is fact, projected that on me. So then I felt that I wasn't good enough. And then I got to the ages of eight and then I was cognitive reasoning. And then all of these walls and all of these things that she told me that I was, I projected it. I literally projected it in my life, everywhere. And I wanted to talk to you about uh, a, vision, a vision again, like the most decorated Olympian of all time, this is, was his secret sauce, Michael Phelps. He literally used to feel the deck under his feet, the chlorine, his body going through it, seeing himself go from end to end. He'll even talk about it. And at the end of it, he, he wanted a fucking Dunkin' Donut. He was a Dunkin' Donuts kind of guy and Cadbury's. <laughs> Seriously. Love Dunkin' Donuts. He would just visualize from end to end. And Joe Dispenza is amazing. If anyone know, doesn't know who Joe Dispenza is, his story is basically he was hit by a, a vehicle at 55 miles an hour while doing a triathlon. And he was uh, projected off his bike so hard that uh, when he landed, he ended up basically crushing a ton of vertebrae in his back and the surgeons all of them he had three different uh three different surgeons that basically said he needed to get this rod down shoved into his back and then what they would do is they would take the vertebrae and they would wrap them around it but then it would leave like open areas for all the nerves and stuff like that so then they would have to graft bones they told him that this was the only way that he did it and he was a chiropractor so just so everyone puts that into perspective, he was a chiropractor by trade and he had a, had a very successful um, uh, practice. So he said no. So this is what he did. This is remarkable. He basically sat on his, he sat on his, on his stomach, he laid on his stomach for 90 days and visualized for three hours a day, putting his back, healing his back piece by piece. He'd visualize it. And he said that if he, got, if he got healthy after this, he was going to put his life studies to doing this. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, the, the chemical makeup that we have in the brain and the things that we do is just insane. One of his studies that, that he did was about how 50% of the we actually don't even remember actually make things up to make a feeling that we had in the past. Can you say that again? It just it, it cut out for a second. 50% of the things that we remember in the past, we actually don't even remember and we actually make them up to create a feeling that we used to have in the past. That's from Joe Dispenza. It's part of one of his research points. Anyways, within, within, was it nine weeks? 
he had started training again with 12. He was at full, full, full training. And the, I mean, we're talking like traumatic accident on a bike. So if that doesn't tell you the power of the mind, he would literally envision it. He sat there like in pain. They told him he would have to, he would have to wear a cast, like a whole body brace for the rest of his life. That's living proof, changing lives. So visualization, um, having your goals, having emotional attachments to them all, surrounding yourself. These are the main three things. Being what you want to be, so visualizing it, giving yourself affirmations, telling you who you want to be, what are the things that you need to be who you want to be, and then surrounding yourself. These are the three core values that you require to make full change because it makes it very difficult if you're in an environment of negativity and people around you that, that are surrounding you to be somebody different because somebody who's different, got to remember your brain, just so everyone understands, your subconscious mind does not like lying. It hates not truths. Just so everyone understands that. So if you're trying to be somebody who you're not, if you're trying to be somebody else, and then you're surrounding yourself with other people outside here, you're not being congruent with where you want to go. So then you start feeling guilt. Your subconscious mind is so, it's, it's, it, it is quite the little piece. Its job is to keep you safe. And anything, anytime you make an agreement with yourself, and don't follow through. So this is where it gets like really ninja stuff about language. I can talk to somebody within 10 minutes and I can usually tell have a pretty good understanding of how they, how they are in life. So our subconscious mind does not like lying. It hates it because what does lying lead to? It leads to guilt. And what is, what is its job? To keep you safe. Anything that doesn't feel good, it, it tries to prohibit from happening. So anytime you make an agreement with yourself that you're going to do something, you attach a word. Right? How many times do you say, I'm going to try, maybe, hope, wish? These are all non communal language. So, perfect example. Somebody's like, okay, well, I'm going to try out that new diet. Your subconscious mind used that word try, and you want to know why it used the word try? Because it knows that if it says, I'm going to, and you don't follow through, that it leads to guilt. So, you start attaching words to non committal things so that you don't actually follow through with it. And you don't even know it's doing it, it's subconsciously doing it because it hates guilt. It does not lying. I don't remember the last time I've ever lied and felt good afterwards. It makes me feel like shit, feel guilty. It doesn't want to do it. So then it finds language because the only thing that our subconscious mind, just so everyone understands, it only understands language. It grabs words, attaches emotions, feelings from our language. I love Jason Silva. Jason Silva is like freaking a king when it comes to language. You ever listen to Jason Silva or any of his stuff? I've seen him actually here. So the language that we use is super important and being aware of what we're actually using and writing this down, non-committal language. What are we using? Why are we using non-committal? Because we're not following through with our word. And when we make an agreement with ourselves, we don't follow through. It makes us feel like, so if somebody goes, New Year's, New Year's resolution, well, we already know that 92% of people never follow through with a New Year's resolution. So New Year's resolution, it goes, well, last year in December of 2018, oh, we didn't follow through with it. So you know what that means? Next time you say that word, it means that we're not going to follow through with it because there's no emotional tie for it because you used that word before and didn't follow through with it. It's fascinating when you start learning about language. Yeah, man. Language is a, is a massive key. And actually, uh, um, 
there's an incredible course by Mark England who's been on the podcast called Procabulary. And I've, I've studied NLP and language and different things. And it's one of the four agreements, be impeccable with your word. Um, but language is a, is a huge key. And the Procabulary course is so simple. And he just took like mastery of language and exactly what you're talking about and how we use it all over the place. I consider myself to be at least advanced in that awareness and the way that he did it there's like crap got me there. I was doing that. And I was like, Oh, I am doing that. And I realized right away and seeing it, the damage it does. And you know, kind of what you're saying there is so important because we make these agreements with ourselves. And I think it all comes down to self-worth and I can see it in my own life when I uh, get stressed. Like I am not a perfect example of all this. I think that for me, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, knowledge is not enough. We must, we must apply. Um, knowing is not enough. We must do, I might've switched them, but that's Bruce Lee. And sometimes because I'm such a, I want to know all the techniques in the world. I start researching and researching and researching, and then I forget to do them. And when I forget to do them, all of a sudden I start to get stressed and depressed and pissed off, um, because I've been seeking, but then I forgot to do the basics and it comes down to this incongruence. We make an agreement with ourselves. We want to do it. We don't do that. So then we feel bad and we start to feel like we're not good enough because we're the ones not owning up to ourselves. And I think that's the most important thing. So um, you can add on to that if you want. But what, I'm, what I'd like to ask and I'm just curious about is, uh, you know, how, how would you recommend somebody go through like the basics? One of the things that I think is important is discovering our limiting beliefs. Like what's your basic process for helping somebody create an identity where they um, can actually make lasting change um, over those 66 days or 90 days? Like how do you begin and, and what should they go through? Well, understanding, like I said, the very first book that kind of opened up my eyes was Why Am I Afraid to Tell You Who I Am? It didn't go into the depths that psychocybernetics does. I would suggest, I might suggest that it's probably, in my opinion, the most powerful book to ever just start and open up because you just start going, oh my God, that? Oh, I do that. And it's, it's almost like an experiential book. You start experiencing what's going on inside of the book. And then, you, and then there's case studies. And it really gives you a firm fundamentals of how your brain works. Because you need to stack new beliefs on old beliefs, but they need to be replaced by something that you fully believe in. Well, I'm going to tell you, I've, I haven't met anybody. I have 15 students all right now that are reading this book. And they're like, oh, my God. And they're all different facets of life. So first things first, understanding who your identity is. And here's the thing. As you go through that book, you actually start seeing those limiting beliefs. You start going, oh, yes, that's me. Oh, yes, that's me. And then you start writing them down. Once you, once you now understand all your limiting beliefs, the next thing is, which is more important, I don't like to use the word goal. And the reason I don't like to use word goal, and this is the other thing about it makes it more challenging for us to accomplish things because if we make an agreement with the word goal means finishing it, but then throughout our whole entire life, every time we set a goal or 90% of the time we never achieve it goal now in our language and our subconscious means something that's probably not going to happen. It's now non-committal. So we need to attach something else. So I prefer to call it my vision. What is your vision? Creating something bigger than you are right now, where you actually want to go. And here's the craziest thing. Every one of my students do this and it is the, it's the biggest struggle. And I'll tell you why it's the biggest struggle because you have a self identity. 
and your self-identity was created between zero and seven, and I'm asking you to create something that you have no experience that you've never done before or seen before. I'm asking you to create it. And the way your subconscious mind goes, okay, well, let's see if we can figure out if this is done before. And it goes and it knocks up and it goes, all right, so yeah, we tried something before to do something like that. Nope, that won't work. And it, it starts looking at logic. It looks at everything from A to B. And it makes you feel like you need to be exactly where you are right now. So then trying to create something outside of your logic of where your current conditions becomes a struggle because now you're battling. But here's the thing. There is a big, huge win with this. But once you actually get past it, literally you just start spewing out everything that you want, like truly want and fulfilled in life. And then from that point, writing out, Affirmations work. There's been some studies just recently on affirmations about how affirmations work and don't work. See, affirmations work, but it's kind of like if you have a liar that's in front of you. If you know somebody lies and what they say is lying, it doesn't matter how many times they lie to you, you're still not going to believe them. So what they suggest to do is writing down five things that you actually truly believe yourself to be because this is powerful in changing the state of where you're at. So writing down five things that you truly believe yourself to be, and then writing an essay. Tony Robbins, all the time, outside of your on paper, write an essay. And then from there, you can use binaural beats, but you just record your affirmations. And every morning, listening to your voice, say those things about you. My God, the, like even now, I, I'm thinking about it, the hair rises off, off, my, off my skin because of this. It is so powerful. And then imagine you're hearing your voice and you record your vivid vision, your vision of what it is you want in life. And you hear that. It starts peaking your reticular activating system. You start changing your state. Wow. You do that every single day. Your brain will believe because there's only two ways to train the brain. It's either hypnosis or it's repetition. If you're doing it every single day, you know what's going to end up happening is you believe it. You start becoming it. You start acting completely different. People start showing up different. I'll give you a perfect example. I had somebody I've been, I've been teaching, I've been teaching these students, and she was having such a real struggle in building her, her vision, her future. And the reason she was struggling so much is because she was looking at the norm in her relationships that she had right now. So her relationship that she had with her husband right now was not good. They weren't talking to each other. They barely, they barely you know, did anything, right? They were, I mean, imagine, she basically said she walked in the door and they wouldn't say two words to themselves. So here she was trying to write her vision and writing her husband in this vision of something that she wants, but here she doesn't want to be in that because she, she can't see anything outside of that relationship. Anyways, I taught her some ninja, some ninja tricks on how to actually change that. The first thing is, is you have to take ownership that everything in this world is your fault that is, that is directly correlated to you. Her relationship was failing not because of things that he was doing, but with things that she was actually doing herself. And I know that's a hard thing for people to actually comprehend because we always want to blame because what our subconscious mind doesn't like to do is take ownership because when we take ownership, we feel guilt. But until we actually take ownership of it, you can't actually step forward. 
So I talked to her about how you talk to the ego. The biggest thing when, when you're in a confrontation with people is people are in a position that they put a wall up because they feel they can't be them true selves or speak to you. They feel like they can't be their authentic selves. So that's their weapon. That's, that's their defense mechanism coming up. So I said to her, I said, well, and you've probably heard of these things, and I know you've heard of these. They're, they're what they call pattern interrupts. So every single day, the husband or the wife, they were expecting to walk in the door and there was going to be tension because they were conditioned to that environment. That's exactly what was going to happen every single day. So what I said to her, I said, one of the key ninja skills that you can do to really change the way people react and become differently is to show up differently to them. And one of the, one of the ninja skills I said to her, I said, he probably, you probably don't even talk to him about how appreciative that he goes to work every single day to provide for your family and do his best job out there. He doesn't even think of it. I said, I might suggest, just try this. I might suggest going out and doing it. Don't even, don't let him know. So here she was. She was on her laptop because I teach her, I teach her some cool skills with online marketing. She's on her laptop at the coffee shop with a cooler and a coffee in her hand. And she got her ego out of her head and she said, fuck it. And she went and she went up to the front desk, grabbed another cooler and a coffee and went to work. Showed up at his work with a coffee and a cooler, which he loved, and gave him a kiss on the cheek and said, you know what, I don't tell you enough of this, but I appreciate you so much for what you do in your family, our family, and I love you. Now, do you think that he was expecting that? If he's seen her, his probably his wall came up like, oh, fuck, she's coming into work here now, oh, what's wrong, right? That's probably what's happening in him. Soon as she did that, his ego comes down and his authentic self can go, oh my God, I didn't realize that she actually thought of that. And here's the big thing. You have to go in doing it without an expectation. Because if you expect a certain result, guess what? That's when everything goes downhill because that's when you get upset and, oh, I'm not going to do this. Then your wall goes up and it says, I told you, you can't be your authentic self. And you create this big illusion story that you can't actually be authentic, right? So she did it. What do you think ended up happening? Within one week, 180 degree change in their marriage. They started going on dates. They were able to communicate to each other. And I said, listen, just do something out of the blue that he doesn't even know every single day. Write it down in your journal just to do act of kindness. Show them how much they love. Show gratitude to them. If you do that in your life and if you do that in your relationships, you will change. People will show up differently. I learned this actually from the five love languages. In that book, it talks about, you know, this lady, oh, my husband has, and, and she's like, why don't you just go out there and do what they need without any expectations of what you need? And you'll find out what exactly is happening. And naturally, we, we end up showing up completely different. It's kind of like when you first get in a relationship, right? Everyone's happy and everyone's good, right? Because you're both showing up authentic and you're trying to like talk to each other and you're connecting. It kind of, it kind of ends up turning around like that. And you can do that with any relationship at all because most, here's the biggest thing. You can't be angry and you can't be sad when you're grateful. And when somebody says something like that, it puts you in that place. Gratitude is a very powerful tool. Something writing down three things and, and for that exact reason. Because when you're grateful for things, you can't be sad and you can't be angry. You are, you're actually present. Anyways, I just thought I'd share some of those cool yeah, man. No, that, those are epic stories. And again, like chalked fill with really practical ways to shift your state and to have a deeper understanding of just psychology, yourself, your environment. Um, the pattern interrupt is, is always classic. And I, I always like the act of kindness. Uh, one of my mentors is a Native American elder and his main thing is three kind acts a day, go out of your way to do it and uh, don't expect anything in return. 
And so if you can do that um, also for yourself, you know, treating kindness for yourself, treating kindness to your partner, to the people who are closest to you, it's an extremely powerful thing. Um, man, you shared so much practical wisdom. This is literally like a dissertation, man. It was friggin' epic. Um, before I let you go and feel free to elaborate as long as you wish, make sure you let people know where you can get your book and congratulations on that. That's an amazing accomplishment. Uh, where can people find out more about you? And is there anything that you wish that I had asked or you want to touch on, uh, and go a little deeper on before we, we close it down? No, um, the book is actually in final gr grammatical edit, as you would call it. And um, the book's, the book's going to be actually 100% free. So it's, um, I am in internet marketing, so I always like to be upfront. It's, it's what they would call a lead magnet. Um, <laughs> where I get your email address um, and I'll plug you into a bunch of blogs. Um, I'm kind of coming out from like nowhere. Um, I kind of was doing this internet marketing and I didn't understand branding and I didn't understand like putting myself out there. So I just got my, my websites up. If you go onto my website right now, it's got the name and email address, but it's not actually linked to my autoresponder yet because the ebook's not in place. You'll see my story. You're going to start seeing a launch of like massive, um, massive campaigns throughout Facebook. You'll start seeing me on YouTube. Um, and, uh, you can follow me. You won't see a lot of new stuff on Facebook because my total branding is just about to blow up, um, within two to three weeks. It's going to be like massive campaigns. I'm going to be, te I teach average everyday people how to build an online business. Um, and the reason I choose online businesses because that's kind of where we're going automation. I mean, I could go deep into that, and, but I don't think it's important. Um, but the main thing is, is getting people's minds correct that you can literally achieve anything. Anything in mind can conceive and believe it can achieve. And that's not just hoo-hoo information. There's scientific, there's scientific, there's scientific evidence to back it. And that's what I, that's what you got to get. Because anytime you go to try something new that you've never done before, it's super frustrating. And the odds are that you will give up because this is why 95% of all businesses fail because they go into things with an expectation and they don't understand what actually takes. They're not, they don't have an emotional attachment to it. They, they don't understand adversity and because they don't understand themselves and they're literally living out their own self identity. The odds are if your parents were hardworking construction workers, you will see yourself as just being a hardworking construction worker. That's part of your identity. It's kind of like the thinking grow rich book. So um, once that book comes out, there's also going to be another piece to that. Um, I'm just draft will be done tomorrow. I'm putting a workbook together. So it's going to be like a workbook of how to build your vision, um, how to do your exercises for your affirmations. It's basically taking my original book, which it gives you all the theory and understanding and now how you can actually apply it and make change on a physical basis every single day and change your life. And 66 days is the science behind it. It becomes what they call a permanent habit. That's it. Awesome, man. Cool. Well, I appreciate your work and uh, what an incredible journey you're on. And I'm, and I'm stoked that you went through all of that to kind of distill the information because this for me is not, it, this information is not common. You know, part of the reasons I wrote Zen Athlete was because I want to get the kids when they're young to learn and understand this stuff because it's actually not complicated. It's just not well known or mainstream or popularized. And I think that it should be, we should understand that we can 
influence our reality to a great degree. We can influence our state of being. Um, we're not just going around like victims. And it comes to like, you know, you touched on it, just having 100% responsibility for yourself, but then understanding the tools, actual tools to help you um, become who you want to be by your own design and get out of kind of like shame, guilt, and helplessness and all these lower um, lower energy things. So did you mention your website where people could find you? Yeah, it's just jeffhughes.com, G-E-O-F-F, Hughes.com. You can find me on facebook.com, uh, at Jeff A. Hughes. Um, and I'm on Instagram, I am Jeff Hughes. Like I said, you'll see a lot of stuff that's fairly dormant right now because it's just about to, um, within a couple of weeks, to launch everything. All that information that I gave, but like in mass amounts. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate you and your work. Thank you so much for coming on. I invite everybody to check out um, your website. I'm sure that what you produce from what you've shared today is going to be uh, very applicable and very, uh, this is like efficient. It works, you know, like everything you said, I, I've either experienced myself or I'm aware of and it actually works. So uh, it looks like you've distilled it in a very easy to understand manner. So excited for it to all launch for you, man. All right. Thank you. Cool. Thanks everybody for watching. Catch you in the next one. Peace. All right, guys, that wraps up today's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you want to support, please share the episode on Facebook or wherever. Take a screenshot, uh, share on Instagram, tag me at Air. I love seeing where you guys are out in the world, where you're listening to the show, where you're from. It's always cool to see uh, random locations. Sometimes I'll get a random one from Sweden or uh, like Australia. Well, Australia is a little bit less random. I guess the Scandinavian countries, I always um, find it surprising that it makes it so makes makes it over there even some from germany so wherever you are in the world canada u.s europe anywhere let me know where you're listening tag me on instagram for those of you guys who want to dive deeper in coaching or you want to um, do a one-on-one session speak to your group whatever the case is hit me up at matt at zenathlete.com and i'm happy to handle any inquiries as far as uh, coaching speaking and training i've been doing a lot more of that in 2019 it's so great to get out there um, and just be in the mix and use zoom and do use all the technologies to get into your groups and just hear what you're working on and support your project so if you need some support if you want some support just go to matt at zenathlete.com happy to help you out thank you guys so much for listening i hope that wherever you are in the world that you're having a great day just blasting you all of my love energy and support to you and your projects and your family so let's close this out by coming to a powerful state of peace and co coherence through our own free will and our own consciousness so wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing taking a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and just let it out slowly with all the cares all the worries all the anxieties just coming to a powerful state of peace coherence and empowerment ready to take on the rest of the day thank you so much for listening and we will see you in the next episode